Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning. My name is Grant and I'll be the operator for today's conference. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Agnico Eagle Third Quarter Results 2021 conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. All of the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star, followed by two. Thank you. Mr. Boyd, you may now begin your conference. Uh, thank you, Operator, and uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our third quarter 2021 conference call. Uh, just to take note of the fact that this presentation will include uh, certain forward-looking statements. Uh, just like to start off with a, a summary and a bit of an overview, a uh, very strong quarter uh, from a production perspective, a cost perspective, from a cash generation perspective as well. We had record uh, quarterly production uh, as expected um, in the third quarter, uh, producing over 520,000 ounces, um, excluding uh, production from the Hope Bay mine. Uh, there was a big part of this um, uh, performance was really driven by the performance of our Abitibi mines and our Meliadine mine. If you look at the Abitibi platform, uh, Goldex, Canadian Malartic, and Laronde, uh, those three mines collectively produced in the quarter 222,000 ounces of gold, uh, total cash cost below $600 an ounce. If you look at Meliadine, we'll get into that in a minute, had a record a quarter from a production standpoint, producing about 97,000 ounces of gold at total cash cost of 634. So really strong performance from that base uh, producing uh, almost two-thirds of the production ounces uh, for the company in the quarter. As a result of the strong production uh, and cost performance in the quarter, we've maintained our 2021 guidance. We did provide commentary um, in the press release on cost inflation. As we said in the press release, we're seeing uh, cost inflation on consumables and supplies in the order of about 5 to 7% uh, going into next year. Um, that's uh, roughly half of our cost structure. Uh, the other half would be largely labour, um, and our labour uh, expected increase would be less than that that we're seeing in our consumables and our reagents. So we're not seeing any abnormal pressure on, on the wage side and uh, we thought it was important to give you our sense. We did update you last quarter um, and we wanted to give you what we're seeing um, in the current uh, environment. Also um, of note, as you know, um, on September the 28th, a month ago, uh, both Agnico and Kirkland Lake announced a merger of equals that would combine and create the best-in-class gold company uh, operating in pro mining jurisdictions, um, unlocking significant synergies. So this is really a transaction to unlock value amounting to about $2 billion over, over 10 years. Uh, this is basically done to take advantage of uh, what is really a regional consolidation opportunity, uh, which drives a lot of those synergies. And as we've said before, when you look at uh, from Detour down to Kirkland Lake, across to Valdor, that relatively small geographical footprint, the combined company will produce annually almost 2 million ounces of gold with a combined reserve and resource of almost 70 million ounces. If you look at the combined Canadian production uh, from this company, as we've said before, over 2.5 million ounces with the potential to get to about 3 million ounces. So. This is the major building block of this um, company going forward, not only unlocking value through synergies, but creating the highest quality platform for creating additional value going forward. 
Um, we continue to work with our partners at Kirkland Lake Gold, continue to discuss and plan uh, for a successful integration of the two businesses, making good progress. We've been asked you know, about uh, the combination of these two businesses. Well, as we've said uh, in the past and said on September the 28th, I think the magic of this uh, combination is the fact that we're taking two high-quality businesses, one with nine mines, one with three mines, um, and Kirkland's two of their three mines are on the same rough geological belt as our business uh, in Quebec, and we do have development projects in Ontario. So from an integration standpoint, from a manageability standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, um, uh, these line up uh, extremely well, and we're highly confident that we'll have a successful integration uh, of these two uh, high-quality businesses. A big part of our story um, has been the exploration success over our long history, but more recently, over the last year or so, we're seeing significant exploration results at many of our largest uh, cash flow generators and our largest producers, including at three of our largest gold mines. Um, and we'll talk about that as well. As we, you've heard us say before, this is the largest exploration budget in the history of Ignico, around $160 million. And I think it's important to note that Kirkland Lake Gold actually spends more than we do. And so when you think about that combination again, it will be a company that actually has the best upside potential in terms of adding value through the drill bit. And that will be a core part of the strategy given that it's been a core part of the strategy and a big part of the success of both companies individually over the last couple of years. We'll have a more detailed update of the exploration story of Ignico on November the 2nd. And so we're still compiling uh, that information around this. But some of the highlights were included um, in our press release. Uh, La Ronde uh, continues to be a major focus for exploration, even after being in production for over 30 years, because uh, we do have a lot of undrilled uh, ground to the west of La Ronde on the old Barrick Bousquet property. Uh, that's going to require access to drill, so we're extending three exploration drifts um, into the uh, LZ5 property, the former Bousquet property. That will be a big part of the exploration story over the next two to three years. And we also continue to see um, a good promise to the east of the mine, and we put in a recent drill hole that was encountered on the 20 North Zinc South Zone, and the NSRs of these uh, intersections are several hundreds of dollars. So highly valued rock uh, in the lower part of the mine, which is not inconsistent with what we've seen over the 30-year history of this mine, where we've seen polymetallic zones that run uh, high NSR values. So we're going to also, as well as the focus on the west part of Laurent, also focus on the east part of Laurent. At Meliadine, uh, we continue to... Uh, drill that deposit as we go deeper, continue to encounter higher grade over meaningful widths, uh, which is important. And again, reinforcing um, the concept that we first understood very early on as we were looking at this opportunity. And after we bought it doing a bulk sample, we found that that bulk sample returned more gold than was indicated in the block model. So uh, we continue to see um, a lot of visible gold in the drill holes uh, suggesting that this deposit not only continues um, and gets bigger, it's also uh, retaining uh, its high-quality nature in terms of grade. And we'll get to it in a minute, and you can see that that translates into higher production and very good cash generation coming out of Meliadine. At Amarouk, as you know, that's a focus for us. Um, in the region of the Amarouk deposit, we continue to drill. Uh, largely to the west. We're drilling also between whale tail and IVR, but of note um, in the quarter was in the Mammoth area. That's about 600 meters west of the whale tail pit. Uh, we're encountering good thicknesses, uh, decent grades uh, within 250 meters of surface. So it's early, but potentially significant, uh, and that'll be a focus as we move into next year to continue to follow up um, are drilling in that area because that's what we're looking for, near surface mineralization uh, close to our existing infrastructure. The Odyssey project uh, continues to have tremendous potential. We continue to get 
as we drill the core of East Goldie, as Guy Goslin has said many times, it's very consistent, very tabular, uh, almost like Laron. When you drill a hole within the envelope or within the outline, you're hitting gold, very consistent. And uh, the excitement is really what do we see as we move to the east in that favorable geological pattern. And uh, what we've seen as we've drilled in between that wide step out that we talked about uh, over the last few months is we continue to see the potential to maybe add additional zones in that gap. Again, early, but it's a real focus for exploration um, at uh, Canadian Malartic. And Upper Beaver, uh, we're seeing the potential to add additional mineralization as we drill deeper. High gold grades, very good copper grades over very good thicknesses uh, in a potential uh, new zone. Um, so we're focused on that uh, as we move forward. And that will be an important part of extracting additional value out of the combination of Igneco and Kirkland uh, because of the proximity of Upper Beaver to Kirkland's Macassa mine. And in addition to that, we've got a sizable resource right on the boundary in the AK zone, which is easily accessible with a tunnel uh, drift uh, from the Macassa operation. So we'll be able to provide more clarity on that as we uh, move through uh, the next couple of months. On ESG, we continue to rank very high in ESG ratings. It's a, a focus for us. It will be a focus in the combined company as we put those two businesses together. We see lots of opportunities, particularly in communities, particularly on renewable energy in the combined company, so that will be an important focus. The highlights in the quarter was really the reintegration of the Nunavumiat workforce in Nunavut, both at Meliadine and Meadowbank. Uh, we've been able to do that successfully. We're happy to have them back. We missed them while they were away, um, and, and that's an important step um, in building the business and building the platform uh, in Nunavut. On climate change, um, we announced uh, recently our commitment to net zero by 2050 and also recently uh, committed to implement the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure. We talked about that at our Health and Safety Committee yesterday and at the board level, um, so that's a primary focus. And our Mexican mines continue to win awards in, in terms of safety and corporate and social responsibility, so that was a big highlight in the quarter. Um, I'll spend a little time on the next page, uh, mostly just to go down some of our assets and talk about some of the highlights, and I'll just use this page as a bit of a guide and a reference. Before getting into the individual mines, um, just want to highlight the, the strong operating margin uh, in the quarter uh, coming off of that record production, and really looking at, particularly from the big three mines, looking at La Ronde, uh, continues to be our biggest cash flow generator almost $150 million of operating margin in the quarter, Canadian Malartic at $93 million, and Meliadine uh, sort of entering into that group of the big three mines with record of production, but also strong cash flow generation at $85 million. So that cash flow is a significant part of our overall cash uh, margin uh, in the quarter of over $500 million. Just starting uh, with La Ronde, uh, a very strong quarter. Uh, we had very good grades in the West uh, mine. We set a new quarterly tonnage record at LZ5, which is important in terms of continuing to optimize uh, that asset. A lot of that productivity comes from using automated equipment, where we continue to be well advanced there with uh, Sandvik. And Sandvik will acknowledge that Laurent's one of the mines uh, that they deal with, which is further ahead than most mines in terms of integrating and utilizing uh, automated equipment. Our board was just at site this week at Goldex, at Canadian Malartic, at La Ronde, and uh, we're able to see uh, some of that automation uh, in progress. Um, continue to focus on exploration, as we said, um, as we move to the west, and really what we're looking at is, um, as part of the full potential exercise here, uh, La Ronde's uh, strong production uh, we think will be bolstered uh, going forward in an ability to extend the mine life as we drill out both the western and eastern side uh, of that deposit and that trend. Uh, so good performance there at La Ronde. At Canadian Malarctic, um, again, record quarterly tonnage mined and record quarterly tonnage milled uh, in the quarter, resulting in strong uh, gold production and very good uh, cash generation. The focus continues to be on 
optimizing the Odyssey project, we got to see the new concrete head frame. I think it's, it's completed in terms of the form. It's up about 97 meters, so an extremely uh, big head frame uh, to match the big underground opportunity that exists there. Um, and you need the big head frame if this is going to become, which it is, the largest underground gold mine in the country, in Canada, uh, as we build it out. But as we said, the focus is um, we're on target in terms of development there, uh, on budget in terms of development, but the focus um, is also on exploration and how big is that structure and how do we integrate that into the mine plan and improving the economics of that project, which we believe we can continue to do as we look to optimize that project. Uh, Kitala, quarterly record in terms of mill feed and quarterly record gold production. So a lot of records in the quarter, which is, I think is a testament to the ability now, once we've expanded some of these mines, now to focus on optimizing the assets. And Kitala is certainly one of those, although we're already working on the next phase of expansion at that mine. Uh, continue to get good drill results there. As we drill deeper, that deposit uh, continues at depth, uh, continues to be wide open. It's already a very large mine in terms of mine life. Um, and again, another optimization opportunity and expansion opportunity there. At Meadowbank, uh, good production coming out of the Amaruk deposit, uh, 90,000 ounces. Uh, in September was over 30,000 ounces in September, 34,000 ounces. The focus now is really on optimization, really on cost reduction as we go forward. Um, we need to get the cost down. We have a definite plan in terms of optimizing that asset as we move forward. Uh, but the key for us is to get the tonnage, uh, get the long-haul truck performance, which we've been getting. Um, that's allowed us to process um, good tonnage, which has resulted in good production uh, going forward. So there's still work to do there. Um, our, our goal is, is to make it as high a quality mine as we have at Meliadine. We, it shows you that can be done in Nunavut. Um, but as we move into the fourth quarter, we did have a one-week shutdown um, in uh, early October, and that was really to do some tie-in work in the mill as we um, add um, a new circuit um, there to improve uh, the, the, the recoveries in that plant. Um, so with that one-week shutdown, uh, we'll have lower production uh, in the fourth quarter at uh, Meadowbank. And Meliadine, I'll just uh, finish with Meliadine on this page. As we said, uh, record quarterly production of 97,000 ounces, hitting commercial production at the Tiraganiac open pit in August. Uh, we're progressing on our phase two expansion, which is important to continue to optimize this asset. Uh, we know from exploration that this asset will continue to grow. Um, had a successful sea lift. Uh, we discharged the saline water to um, the sea, almost all completed um, at this point. And the NERB has reviewed the permit application. The NERB recommendation for the waterline project was positive, and we're just uh, waiting for the approval uh, from the federal government um, as they review the, the NERB report. We expect to receive that before the end of, of this year. So just uh, uh, wrapping up here before we open it up for questions, just on financial highlights, uh, normalized earnings of 60 cents, uh, work, uh, operating cash flow before working capital, a very strong result at $1.69. Again, that's driven by the record production, um, strong cash position, uh, but we should note, um, post the merger announcement with Kirkland Lake, all of our rating agencies uh, put Agnico Eagle on a positive ratings watch. Uh, so that's a positive sign uh, on the merger uh, from the rating agencies. So just in conclusion, a good strong quarter, uh, record production, very good cash generation, lots of good exploration results that we'll be able to uh, spend more time on. Uh, next week with a more fulsome release and uh, another call to have Guy and his team uh, go through them uh, uh, with those that are interested. Um, and uh, we're all focused now on, on getting to the vote November 26th, so uh, we asked those shareholders of both Kirkland and Nico to get out and, and vote for the merger. We're excited about it. Uh, we look forward to the combined platform and working with our partners at Kirkland Lake to uh, continue to 
deliver uh, the type of value that both companies have delivered individually uh, to do it together in a lower risk, uh, higher quality platform. So thanks for your attention on that and uh, we'll be happy to take uh, questions, operator. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order that they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press the star, followed by the two. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Thank you. Your first question comes from Tyler Langton from J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. My question. Um, you know, maybe just to start, I appreciate you know sort of the details on the inflationary pressures. Um, I mean, I guess can you talk a little bit about sort of the actions that you're taking, you know, to offset some of the the pressures on consumables and then just labor, um, and kind of I guess you know sort of with those efforts, I mean, is it something where you know sort of overall inflation might be up sort of in the, the low single digit range when you kind of sort of lump everything together? Yeah, I will resume that maybe in two. Uh, one is the on the procurement, what we're looking, uh, we call it the, the strategic sourcing. Uh, it's a lot about to uh, let what we see in the crystal ball coming with the, the inflation and to do uh, the timing of buying stuff and the quantity based on that. Again, this is a lot with going with communication with the externally and, and internally, but we have a, a good procurement team uh, on top of it. Uh, to secure the price. Uh, I will say other than that, it's mainly all about productivity. How could we uh, be better uh, at the maintenance, at the operation, using automation to at the end of the day uh, let's, uh, use less material? Uh, maybe on the workforce, um, we do every year uh, negotiation with our employees. Uh, this is uh, year after year the same thing. Um, we don't expect something very exceptional this year, might have a bit of pressure uh, higher, but uh, this will not uh, end to uh, too much uh, inflation uh, on that part. So overall, it is continue to improve uh, what we do. We have plan in place on the cost side and on the uh, workforce uh, management, as well as the procurement uh, strategy. And so, and so to those, I mean the, I guess you know the five to seven percent increase in consumables and then you know labor costs up less are those sort of net of the efforts you're making, or um, is that something where those, those efforts could kind of sort of sort of lead to lower costs? Yeah, those are individuals. So, so consumables going up, ballpark 5 to 7%, obviously it's hard to predict. Labor, uh, less than that. And then, then all those efforts that Dominic's talking about uh, are going to work to, to offset as much of that as we possibly can. Okay, that's helpful. And then just just final question on your cost guidance, you know, for the year, I guess to kind of hit sort of the higher end for the year, it looks like, you know, costs should come down a little bit in Q4. Could you just, you know, I guess give us some, some details on what might be driving on the lower cost in the quarter? Well, as, as Dominic said, really it's, it's um, mostly to do with mind sequencing and, um, you know, the grade that you're going to get. Uh, it, within the year, that's the key driver. It's it's really it's hard to make a big difference within a year. So usually, uh, Tyler, within a year, it's just a function of where you where you are in the mind sequence. Got it. Okay, perfect. But, but there so there there has been pressure this year. No no doubt about it. Great. Thanks. Your next question comes from Fahad Tariq from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Um, just on the a follow-up on some of the things you're doing to mitigate, can you talk about, um, you know, once the merger is complete, will will a larger platform in Canada help with some of the mitigation and from an inflation perspective, maybe bigger purchases, you know, greater scale of procurement, et cetera? Uh, absolutely. Um, absolutely it will. You know, one of the big advantages of this, a merger of equals is the opportunity on the synergies and let's be honest uh, most of the synergies will be operational and um, associated with a bigger uh, footprint in a particular platform so it does of course give you uh, better purchasing power it does of course give you better negotiating power um, 
but it's more than that. It's also logistics, it's warehousing, um, it's, it's a number of things. And then, of course, above and beyond that, uh, opportunities to share infrastructure. So, uh, you know, absolutely uh, a bigger position uh, in a region where you have more influence uh, is a competitive advantage. Okay, great. And my only other question, um, one of your competitors today that also has a large Canadian platform talked about um, absenteeism at, at mines because of COVID. Um, can you talk a little bit about, like, are you seeing that at any of your mines, hope they excluded? Um, and, and maybe some of the measures you're taking to combat infections on site? Yeah, no, we don't have a significant uh, absenteeism issue. Uh, some action that we, we took uh, to, to for our employees and for their business is to have mandatory vaccination in, in the Nunavut, which is, let's say, more uh, uh, sensitive uh, with the, uh, the camp uh, occupation and the flight. So uh, since October 15, uh, everybody needs to have one shot to take the plane, and November 15, it's going to be two shots. Uh, so far, we have a good response, good collaboration with the employees, and there's no, uh, there's no issue on that. Yeah, one of the other things that we um, have noted as we've looked at, um, there's no doubt that um, attracting skilled work, workers is, hard, is getting harder. Um, what we've been able to do and what our focus has been uh, in the last little while is transitioning some of our higher quality contract workforce into Agnico Eagle direct employment. Um, and that's just to give them certainty, um, to give us more certainty and to ensure that we maintain that skill level. And that ultimately gets reflected into productivity and costs, et cetera. So that's one of the things that we've done uh, specifically to try to manage um, that situation. Great. Yeah, that's helpful color. Thank you. Your next question comes from Ralph Profiti from 8 Capital. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, Sean, I wanted to come back to this uh, cost reduction at uh, Metal Bank um, because you put it in the context of, of Meliodine uh, as the target. And I was wondering, is, is the goal here to get that cash structure down into that sort of $700 an ounce range or were you talking more sort of generic terms about, you know, productivity, maintenance, automation, and Meliodine as sort of the, uh, you know, the, the benchmark? Yeah, I think that um, as we've been saying over the last few quarters, um, this at Amaruk, as, as far as unit costs, is sequencing. And so the next couple of years, sequencing in the pit, moving to higher grade a couple of years after that, um, where that will lower the unit cost dramatically from what they'll be over the next couple of years. So part of that is, is sequencing, but part of that is um, just fitting the cost structure to the asset and to the mine and the opportunity. Uh, one of the things that um, you know, is different clearly at Amaruk versus Meliadine is Amaruk is lower grade. Uh, Amaruk is also more remote relative to major infrastructure uh, Meliadine has the advantage of being closer to Rankin Inlet. So uh, built in, Meliadine certainly has an advantage. So I think the concept that I was referring to is more in terms of, you know, the, the cash generation potential of Amaruk uh, as a mine while we continue to explore for other assets is to ensure that we're generating maximum cash from that asset. You know, the one, the one thing to remember about Amaruk is it's a satellite deposit. It, it is a higher cash cost than Meliadine, but it's leveraging off existing infrastructure at Meadowbank. Um, and, you know, our, our primary objective is to get the best return on capital, on our shareholders' capital. So that is something to keep in mind. It, is, it, is a, it will be a structurally higher cost uh, than Meliadine, but it will be a very good mine because it, it had a lot less capital because it's using an existing uh, mill. Yeah, got it. Okay. Um, my my follow-up, Sean, is is I do want to come back to, uh, you know, the, the inflation mitigation, right? And, and presumably that means you know hedging supply chain management inventory. But I'm wondering about the interrelationship between some of the the hedging strategy and the currency hedging strategy, right? Are those independent of each other? Because you know in this cycle we have you know rising fuel prices, but we also do not have the Canadian dollar rising at the same rate, which is actually coming in as a net benefit. So how is Agnico thinking about uh, you know, hedging raw materials versus hedging currency. 
Well, we we don't have any hedges on um, raw materials beyond fuel. Uh, of course, we do diesel. We do currency as well. And I don't think our strategy is particularly changing on how we hedge those things. They're fairly independent of what's going on uh, at any given moment. You know, we look at the sentiment in the market where we think things are going, and that could cause us to do larger or smaller quantities of hedging at any given moment. But basically what we're trying to do is to make sure that we deliver um, better than budget levels to try and make sure that we can do what we said we we're going to do in our February guidance annually. That's really the line in the sand is um, and, and governs how, how we hedge. The when is quite honestly very opportunistic. Uh, and over the years it's, it's worked out, but as you well know, past performance does not guarantee future success, but uh, no change to the strategy overall. I, I think we'll still get our opportunities because volatility seems to be um, existing still, and I don't think it's gonna go away. So we kind of feed off the volatility. Got it, understood, thanks for that. Your next question comes from John Tumazos from John Tumazos's Very Independent Research. Please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Congratulations morning. on all the good things. Thank you, John. Usually when large companies merge exploration, they fire half of the geologists or something like that. My sense is that your team and the Kirkland team are going to be very smart and not do that. Uh, maybe you're going to eliminate administrative duplication and get more drilling for the same money or something smart like that. I hired a, a fellow, Bill, that was with Santa Fe, that was let go when Newmont bought Santa Fe. And I know people, juniors, that are hiring Newmont people from the Barrick Newmont Consolidation. And, I just want, I'm, I'm sure that you thought this through meticulously because that's an important part of the company. Yeah, that's a big part. Uh, good point, John. That's a big part of uh, the historical value creation of both companies is that, you know, Agnico has been around, as you know, for a long time, and we've generally just followed geological potential and found our way into Finland and Mexico and, and, and throughout the Abitibi belt and in Nunavut. Uh, Kirkland, as everybody knows, has created a lot of value uh, based on you know, making geological assessments that others uh, were also making, and they came up with a different view, and, and, and through uh, determined drilling and focused drilling and, and, and fairly aggressive budgets, uh, created a lot of value. So that won't change. Actually, we see this as a big differentiator between Barrick Newmont and the new Agnico, would be uh, not just the focus on exploration, but the ability to actually add value through exploration. And it's because if you look at the combined asset bases, a lot of the exploration news is coming at some of our biggest assets with the biggest NAVs, the biggest production, the biggest cash flow generation. And that gives us an opportunity to turn that into brownfield uh, development opportunities, which creates value sooner. And I think we've also are making the assumption, which I think it is fair, is that, you know, certainly we know that from Agnico's perspective that uh, the market has tended to pay us uh, earlier than most when we have exploration success, um, I would suggest that's probably the same with Kirkland. So this will be a big part of the focus, and uh, geologists will be important. I think the constraint will be, as we look at combining two big budgets, it's the constraint that everybody's feeling right now is to get quality drillers and quality drills. So in, the, in that context, we'll have to um, make sure that we get you know, the best drills and the best drillers at the right projects that are going to drive the most value. That'll really be the exercise. I don't know if Guy has anything to add there. No, I think you nailed it down, Sean. I think that there's a lot of uh, complementary of the land package, uh, uh, both driven by obvious uh, near-term potential to, to grow around detour, a lot of synergies potential in uh, in Kirkern Lake. Obviously, we'll need to wrap our heads around, you know, how do we realign priorities after, but certainly no change in the big game, game plan to create a lot of value around existing operation.
Could I ask a follow-up on Hope Bay? Now sure. that you've had it almost a year. Yep. Um, I know the costs are a little high, and it's not consolidated with the uh, – it's not described with the continuing operations, but you probably know more now than you did at the beginning. Yep. Maybe Guy can start, and then Dominic will sort of roll into some of the thinking, because the thinking now will be driven off of – what Guy finds from the drill. This is a large exploration play, um, and then what Guy is able to um, determine in terms of upside and potential will flow into how Dominic and his team look at what we need from a processing standpoint and where that processing um, capacity should be uh, on that large land package. So, Guy, maybe you could start. I think that from an exploration standpoint, to start with, you know, we certainly confirm, you know, what we thought, meaning that all of the zone at Doris remains open, both the, the BTD that is currently being mined and the uh, in the, the central area, West Valley, we're confirming that we can expand those zones. We've also resumed drilling more aggressively on the Madrid, confirming that we can identify additional uh, parallel zone or extension of the of the known uh, uh, the known zone in the deposit to the to the north. So lots of positive result from that standpoint, so confirming that we'll be able to significantly grow the resources. And, and more importantly, I think we're taking a, a step back. No, uh, uh, nothing wrong about what's been done over the last five years, but they, they were mostly focused at putting the mine into production, and we can now take a, take a, take a look back at what was done previously in the time of Newmont at bigger scale, at, at, at property scale go back into the bigger uh, large land position in the belt, all of the huge amount of uh, data set that were collected at the time, and really look at the entire land package as a whole and reinitiate exploration at property scale. And maybe How on the... long do you think it'll take before you know whether it's part of the uh, long-term team or not? Is this a four-year effort or a one-year effort? Or excuse me for interjecting, Sean. Yeah. Well, maybe for starting with the again uh, at at Madrid, which you know we know we can extend Doris, but the bigger prize is at Madrid, where the core the, that's currently the center of gravity. So uh, we'll certainly need, you know, uh, as you mentioned, a couple of years. I mean, I know, is it, is it one, is it two? You know, we certainly want to ramp up drilling. The sooner the better that we can uh, make our mind about the center of gravity, grow the deposit at Madrid, put our head around, you know, Boston. And, and uh, we certainly want to do it right and, uh, and more, and we know we can continue to grow. So it's all about defining the center of gravity, the best thing. So maybe I can end over on Dominic on that. Yes, John, maybe back to your question, what's new since we're there? Uh, other than the geologists that they are more and more excited uh, what, with what we saw, at the mill, uh, the team did a good work to, to do some improvement, and we're currently doing a trade-off. Uh, should we look to extend, expand that mill uh, to bring it to a higher throughput while minimizing the capital, or should we just uh, go to a bigger mill? When we started and when the first visit I did there with, with Amar, Martin, uh, my first visit to the mill was not very positive, but now uh, the team are improving it uh, uh, gradually. So that's a trade-off, it's ongoing, uh, and that's gonna be uh, compared to uh, uh, should we redo a new mill uh, maybe at Madrid? Uh, this is still study ongoing. Uh, there's huge uh, geological potential. It's just a question of time. Uh, what is exactly that timing? Uh, that's going to depend on the uh, the results. Merci beaucoup. Bonne chance. Thank you. Your next question comes from Mike Jelanin from Bank of America. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, Sean. Uh, hey, Mike. Just uh, had a question. You, you said at the start. <clears throat> You've been discussing with Kirkland Lake uh, the plan for a successful integration, and uh, I just keep thinking about uh, Upper Beaver, Upper Canada, those projects sitting 19 kilometers from the Castle Mill. And I know there's copper at Upper Beaver, but is there any thought there? You know, putting a copper circuit in the Casa, you don't have, that way you have to build a mill, a tailings impoundment, nothing, and yep. uh, that speeds that thing into production. To me, that's a, a huge. Uh, 
synergy that's not really being talked about much. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, certainly part of the discussions and was also a big part of the thinking as we were doing sort of reciprocal due diligence. And, uh, uh, you know, that was the one connection, um, which was probably one of the things that started the discussions a couple of years ago as we were thinking about you know, Upper Beaver, what we were going to do there as we continued to get good results, it was clear that Upper Beaver was a mine and was going to be an attractive mine with low unit cost once it got built. The question was when to build it, what to actually build. Um, and so, you know, that was one of the uh, things that were driving uh, our desire to talk to Kirkland about uh, these types of opportunities. The other thing that accelerated some of that thinking uh, in the camp is the fact that Guy and his team were drilling on the boundary uh, of our property package and Kirkland Lake and started to grow a deposit called the AK deposit, which is about, at this point, I think about 700,000 ounces, uh, 680 or something like that. And, um, and that project, um, as we looked at it, uh, was certainly uh, much better from a return perspective and risk perspective and low capex by extending a drift uh, from the Macassa property uh, to, to access and mine that. So that's part of the synergies as well. So we also have uh, that whole sort of concept of how do we process it, where do we process it, uh, what, what should be done at the Macassa mill. Uh, that stuff is ongoing now in terms of even looking at taking samples of ore and doing tests on some ideas that um, the teams have. So. We're looking at that inside out. Uh, they also have the Holt uh, processing facility. We're not sure whether that fits, but you know we're looking at this uh, as a collection of assets in the area. And I think this just sort of reinforces uh, this concept of regional consolidation. That's how we've approached this. Um, you know, this wouldn't have been announced. We wouldn't have done this if this didn't provide the synergy and optimization benefits from the regional proximity of these assets to be able to move collective skills around and to take advantage of physical infrastructure, uh, but also to ramp up exploration. We know that uh, Kirkland's had some good results on the amalgamated break. Um, we have the Upper Canada a property, which we don't talk much about. Um, so there's lots of opportunities here that uh, our collective teams are working through and will be thinking more on as we move through the next several weeks and into next year. And we'll be able to provide a lot more color on that uh, early in the new year as we uh, get more clarity on some of these thoughts. But uh, that, that work is ongoing and was ongoing even during the due diligence. Along with this drift have to be, is it to get to, you called it the AK zone? Yeah, Guy, maybe you can sort of uh, update uh, Mike. Yeah, exactly. You know, the AK currently sits uh, within 300 meters from the property boundary from the shallow infrastructure and the ramp that Kirkland Lake already has on their near-surface resources at Macasa. So all of that could quickly be connected and make, you know, that surface uh, zone at Macasa along with the AK as a, an interesting supplemental source of ore to maximize uh, the processing facility at Macasa and provide flexibility for the operation. Doesn't Agnico also own you know, some of the old mines to the east of Macasa? So, uh, yeah, also, yeah, on the Tolburn and the the rest of the break to the east. So you're right, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll at the same time consolidate the entire, you know, they already control, like currently control already three-quarter of the whole break, we were already sitting on that Tolburn and, and Glen Corral to the, to the extreme east. So all of that former uh, main break at, 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 at Kirken Lake will all be now part of one entity, which removing all of those property boundary constraints will create a lot of opportunity moving forward. Okay, great. Thanks. Look, look forward to see how it uh, shakes out. Thank you. Your next question comes from Tanya Jakuskonik. Please go ahead. Uh, yes, good morning, everyone. Thank you for taking my questions. Um, I wanted to ask Dominic and Guy some questions. Um, just, Dominic, can, can we come back to the Meadowbank complex? And I just want to have a, a better understanding of um, what's happening in the pit at Amaruk. 
Um, I understand about the rain and it gets really, you know, sticky down there, but just want to understand what exactly has happened to change your mining sequence. And we've got into these lower grades and more dilution. So what are we doing to get back to the higher grade? And uh, what are we doing to improve dilution? Thank you. Yeah, maybe I could start back with the rain uh, challenges. Uh, we get much more rain than planned. In fact, uh, by September, it was more rain that we received uh, the ent entire 2019, and 2019 was uh, uh, an exceptional rain, uh, year. What's happening is as we're drilling into the permafrost, uh, when there is rain and you're all filled with water, uh, it's freezing. So you need to do the, the hot loading uh, to be able to avoid that you have issues. So that creates challenges and during, it was more uh, July and August where we had drill and blast challenges, plus in addition of that, some drillers uh, that were had difficulty to staff at the time. Uh, and we had the decrease of uh, the inventory, broken inventory. So we were not able to deploy uh, the, the shovels and the trucks to move the tons. Uh, but this is back on track. Now the inventory is 1.5 million tons since uh, the end of September. So this is uh, be behind us. Um, the other also aspect, uh, as we talked the last quarter, uh, we had the, some uh, uh, wall stability uh, challenge that we're looking for. The team are still working on how we're going to mitigate that. So that have postponed some higher grade material, but that, that material is going to be back. So uh, this is, let's say, mainly uh, with the operation. On, on the good side, maintenance uh, or beating record uh, availability, this is a very good news. Long-haul trucks are also doing their target. This is also very good, good news. And on the great side, I will let Guy uh, to talk about uh, the dilution uh, that, that is happening a bit. Yeah, so over, let's say, the last uh, couple of years or since the startup, basically, as we are narrowing down the drill spacing in some portion of the, of the deposit, well, in some area, we were pleasantly surprised in the whale tail where grade is better than expected. But in some other area, there is some more uh, complex folding pattern at what was encountered with, with the larger drill spacing. But overall, the, the answers are there, and we, we, we still we see, uh, unfortunately, that in some area, well, we need to mine water, and currently there is a team on site that look at, okay, even with that more complex folding pattern in some portion of the pit, how can we get rid out of that additional internal dilution that we have to integrate, which, because bottom line, we see that the answers are there. We just need actually, in some of those more complex portions, to take more external and internal dilution when mining those which impacts the cost, obviously, because we are integrating a little bit more dilution. But there is a team currently working on it to see how we can improve moving forward. And, uh, but in some uh, portion of, of, of whale day, we were pleasantly surprised, for example, in September, where we got our good production month because the grade uh, was higher than expected. Okay, so are you comfortable with your dilution factor that you've incorporated into your reserves or mine plan right now? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll we've, we've run multiple assumptions over the last year and a half, and at year end this year, what you'll see in the reserve will be that adjust, adjustment with, with all of that being, being factored. But I would say bottom line, answers are the same. We may see in some portion that will add some more internal dilution. Okay. And, and maybe, Guy, that I have you on, can, you know, it's good to see some exploration results coming out of Amaru because we're trying to extend the open pit to mine life. Um, you know, I, I know you're going to have a detailed, uh, you know, review with us on November 2nd, but can you talk a little bit about what you're finding and how you see this open pit mine life extending? We're looking at all sorts of opportunity, as you are alluding to, you know, because we can, we are looking at ways could we, is the, you know, optimize the ultimate pit at whale tail, look at that, what was left open in the mammoth area where we're getting results. We're also looking at all of the residual inventory as well that were left behind around vault and portal show. There's a, 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 an intense effort currently being put at looking, you know, obviously in order to continue on the ground, we would benefit from another source of open pit and we're actively working on it at, on on all aspects, you know, on dusting all residual mineral inventory at any of the previous pit, and also at, at CAM scale, at that larger property scale with regional exploration at generating 
new drill target, and we've been getting some some narrow but good grade uh, to the to the west that we'll talk about next week. So, uh, but still, you know, uh, it's uh, it's always you know we're we're uh, we're we're facing you know some some uh, the, the the pressure is always on exploration to find and find new pits and find new resources, and the team is good at it, and uh, have I trust that we'll be successful. On Maliadine, again, the drilling that you put out yesterday continues to show really good grades, and you know you you have been capping, at, you know uh, you know capping at, at that deposit. What do you need to see before you think that your 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 you know capping factor is is is, is too conservative? Like, what do we need to like? When do you change it? Well, it's an ongoing effort, and it's not unlike what we were having at Laurent and what we did at Laurent as well. Same thing is happening at Meliadine. We knew for a fact, as Sean alluded to previously, when we did the bulk sample, the only way we can get to the answers we got in the bulk sample was by not putting any capping. Obviously, when you're a QP, you look at the, 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 rule, the rule of thumb, the way you do it, you, you need to put a reasonable capping, but as you're processing and as you're reconciling over several quarters, then you have to, you know, you can relax your, your capping, which we, we've been addressing, you know, in some zone when we got enough experience, we're increasing the capex just as the, the, the ongoing exercise of reconciliation between the mill and the model. But currently we're presently surprised because, you know, the additional ounces we're getting are a lot on, due to the, the fact that we're getting more gold and the model is currently predicting. So. We're working on it. Some, on some deposit, is, it is slightly more challenging. On some other, it, we're seeing some plus. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star followed by one. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Yep. Thank you, operator, and, and thank you, everyone, for your attention. Uh, thank you for the questions and, and interest. And, um, as we noted, please um, watch for the exploration update uh, release on November the 2nd, and uh, I believe there's a call we've set up there. So if you need details on that, please reach out to the IR department. Uh, on November the 3rd, look for the circular uh, for the merger of uh, Nico Eagle and Kirkland. Um, that's out, as we said, on November the 3rd and November the 1st. So our in-house counsel just held up one finger. Uh, it's November the 1st. It wasn't the finger you think, it was the index <laughs> finger. Uh, so we're still all good and we look forward to um, your vote uh, to approve what uh, we're very excited about, which is the combination of Agnico Eagle and Kirkland Lake. So thanks again. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes our conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.